Welcome to Glass Talk, Canada's podcast for the architectural glass industry. Now here's your host, Patrick Flannery. Well, I'm with Robert Bronk. He is the CEO of the Ontario Construction Secretariat. Robert, great to have you with us. Thank you for having me, Patrick. Appreciate it. Yeah, it's uh, it's 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 nice to have you back. I uh, I uh, you know that an email went around about uh, about some uh, uh, things. I think the, the the OCS is is interested in talking about as far as the the apprenticeship and uh, and skilled training uh, for, uh, for tradespeople in Ontario. And, uh, you know, it's, it's always a great opportunity to have you on and, uh, and, and have some, you know, maybe some broader conversation about, uh, about the, the issues around that. And, uh, and I guess what, what, what you guys hope to see and, and, and what the industry is going to need. So why don't, uh, why don't you just kick us off though, by, uh, telling us a, a bit about yourself and about OCS and, uh, and the good work you folks do. Thanks. So I've been uh, the uh, with with the OCS since the fall of 2017. Previous to that, I was the uh, provincial training director for the the painters union for glaziers and uh, commercial painters apprenticeship, plus all the health and safety training across the province. Um, so I have good experience in terms of grassroots level and in speaking to you know apprenticeship. Um, getting back to the OCS, it was formed in 1993 by the provincial government. It was, it's fully funded by the industry. Um, our board of directors include labor management and gov rep government representatives. And research is our sort of foundation. Um, and it's sort of focused on improved labor relations, positive perceptions of the unionized construction sector, the IC sector, ICI sector specifically, and support of public policy. So we represent 25 trades, over 128,000 union members, and over 6,200 uh, signatory contractors. So that 
in a nutshell is the OCS. Great. And I'll, and I'll throw my plug in that you guys run uh, some great conferences, um, lots of uh, resources and industry research there. So uh, really a good resource for, uh, for anybody who wants to uh, know things about the ICI construction sector in, uh, in Ontario uh, uh, generally, I, I've always uh, I've always liked the uh, the events you put on and the and the speakers that you get. So uh, that that's how that's how I became aware of the OCS uh, initially was I I got out to one of the state of the industry conferences you know a hundred years ago, and uh, and and started uh, started making it a point to to try to get to those usually usually f- uh, February March right Robert uh, it's usually um the first Thursday of March right. as a rule of thumb yeah. David Frum is a speaker a couple of times. Very, uh, very good. Yes. Uh, yeah, that's yes. Good. that's good stuff. Um, okay, so let's get into the topic a little bit. Um, I, I wanted to start out, I guess, uh, I guess fairly high level, uh, uh, Robert. We're we're obviously uh, uh, coming out of this pandemic, um, and uh, I think I think there were a lot of um, a lot of insights to be to be gleaned when when you looked at uh, who was designated as 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 essential uh, and why. Um, and, and, and I think it, it, it opened some eyes and, 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 and created maybe, maybe in the broader public, some more awareness. Um, tell us a bit about what we, what we learned, what the feeling is coming out of the, the whole pandemic experience of the importance of skilled trades and, 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 and why it's, it's so critical for, uh, for everything really to, to function at all. Well, from, I'm going to attack that or answer that into two, two broad categories. So the first thing is the practical practical part of it so what we learned that is that the industry can quickly adapt to changing conditions and requirements like the industry turned around quite quickly when it came to um sanitary conditions um we already wore ppe like so so many trades already were wearing masks um you know for example drywallers they've already got the mask um you know they're so many guys are already social distance, you know, very rarely do you see guys shoulder to shoulder. So the industry quickly, quickly adapted to what needed to be done and, and really was successful. I was monitoring um, WSIB posted um, COVID related um, um, injury loss time. So you could go on their website and it ranked all the different, you know, construction, manufacturing service, et cetera. And, I looked at the numbers of infected, reported infected construction workers, and then I looked at the numbers of the general public. And at one time, it was 40% more likely you would get COVID being in the general public than you would if you were on the job site. So <laughs> I'm serious. The infection rate, like, you know, you know how many, there's approximately 540,000 construction workers. And then you look at, how many of those reported being tested positive for COVID over the past two years? And it, the infection rate was like 40% less than the general public, like the total reported cases in the general population. So, I mean, when you think about it, you're outside in the wintertime, like how can you catch COVID? Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> but even the interior trades, like, you know, when you're working, you know, let's say you're drywalling or you're painting, you're not beside the guy beside you. Like, you know, you're, you're working on, you have your own space and you take the necessary precautions in the lunchroom and in the washroom facilities, et cetera. Um, you know, it was actually safer to be on a job site COVID related than it was to be in the general population. So 
So from a practical point of view, um, I would say that the industry really pivoted quickly, responded to what needed to be done and got done what needed to be done. And, you know, to be honest, <laughs> the washrooms, guys will put up with a lot of like bad conditions when it comes to <laughs> the, the portal bodies, right? Yeah. Women don't put up with that stuff. And the consensus is, we hope that this is not going to revert back to the old days that it's going to continue. <laughs> that, uh, my kids, when they were little, they used to call them porno potties. And I, for oh. good reason, pretty, pretty dirty. They were pretty disgusting. So anyway, hopefully that's going to change. And um, that's going to be one of the positive things that come out of it. So now from the economic point of view, um, I think the importance of, of the industry really, really uh, was apparent in terms of the multiplier. Like a lot of times when you invest in infrastructure and, and commercial and industrial buildings, you know, it's a it's, they're not a bunch of white elephants. They're, you're not building something just for the sake of building it. There is a positive financial and societal impact that benefits society. And I think the multiplier effect really demonstrated the importance of the construction industry over the past two years. And, and if you go back to 2008 and 2009, that's what helped, uh, you know, the economy pull out of the recession and, you know, the, the crash that happened in 2008. The construction industry plays a very important role. It's not just the men and women on the job site. It's, you know, they're buying, you know, the contractors are buying materials um, you know, they're buying wire, they're buying concrete, they're buying plywood, they're buying all, and then all those jobs get trickled down. And then construction workers are, you know, they're, they're going to the restaurants, they're buying cars, they're, they're, um, you know, they're, they, they're using their disposable income to, to, um, further impact their communities. So, you know, support the local businesses. So I think, um, you know, we can, I think I already, a lot of people are, who people in the construction industry already realized, knew that the construction industry has a big impact on the economy. This just, just reinforced it once again. It just sort of just brought it out again. Yeah. And I, I mean, and I mean, think about what we, what we know now. And, and I think everyone is so conscious now, you know, just, you know, trying to just get stuff um um you know th those those entangled effects those 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 trickle down effects i mean you're talking about uh, uh close to 550,000 workers uh while every one of them has families and 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 dependents and 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 extended uh, uh networks that, uh, that 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 depend on that and, but even you know we we look at these things in the construction industry especially here in canada we we look at things through the lens of jobs a lot which i know is your is is definitely your focus um, but you know, all the way, all the way up and down the 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 supply chain and the and the economy, um, you know, that's just a, a sort of a critical linchpin in the middle of things there, where if 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 construction goes off, you you know you you got problems uh, uh, just about just about everywhere and and with everything. So point well taken there for sure. Um, so let's then let's let's tie that to. Um, apprenticeship and skilled trades training and the and the and the and the the things that we you know we we've been of course have, have been hearing for you know years if not decades about about the the, the shortage and, di and difficulty of, uh, of of getting enough people um and uh and 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 let's talk about um how we how we address that and uh and how and 
and one of the things that occurred to me was why is why is apprenticeship so much the model for for construction trades training um uh, it, it isn't in it isn't in other industries uh it, it isn't in journalism i'll tell you that much I, but maybe you'll find a maybe you'll find a mentor if you're you know if you're lucky early on but uh you know it's 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 not a, a formal apprenticeship model why is that there robert and, and and why is it i guess i guess still the way that we like to think about getting trades training done in the construction industry that's a great question um the apprenticeship model has been around for centuries, if not millennium. Yeah, right. <laughs> the, old guilds, the old guilds, and the, even before the medieval times, uh, you know, apprenticeship, maybe it wasn't called apprenticeship, but, you know, the guild system in terms of taking someone under your wing and teaching, having a mentor. The reason why it's so important, because it works. Yeah. <laughs> Just because something is old, doesn't, so it doesn't have to be new to be better. The, the system works. Um, and the importance about, a formal apprenticeship where you're actually, you know, are on the job and then you, you know, typically most of the trades have like three blocks of eight weeks where they go back to school. They either go to a community college or they go to a union training center. That is really important. It's, it's not just knowing how to do something. It's understanding why you do something and understanding why you do something that sort of leads to innovation and creativity and increased productivity. If, if an apprentice knows why they're doing something and then sort of goes maybe we can do this or or better or different and because they understand why they're doing it that that allows that that's a differential i think besides someone who is just i and i don't want to say just that's the bad word like just a housewife just a worker but someone who hasn't gone through a formal apprenticeship program now the other thing about a formal apprenticeship program is that it forces an individual to become a lifelong learner. You, you know, when you go on the, that eight week block, you're focused, you're in the classroom, you're, you're in a safe environment. You can, you can um, go in the shop area on, you know, work on tools, equipment, techniques in a safe controlled environment versus on a job site. And so it teaches you how to be a learner. And it, it's that lifelong learning uh, skill that I think is so important because, you know, you're going to work for 30 years, you know, 30 years ago, they weren't using, you know, the battery operated hand tools. They, they, you know, like, you know, that's just the one big thing. Um, there's always new techniques and tools being introduced, but if you are someone who is a lifelong learner, you're going to adapt and learn how to use that way quicker than somebody who hasn't been forced to go through that kind of a process. So I think a formalized setting really is important in, in, in teaching workers how to learn. And that, that becomes, that becomes the, bigger, the bigger issue. And I, I think actually, you know, more and more professions are actually going towards a co-op model. Like, you know, my background is civil engineering. And I know in hindsight, I was thinking, you know, some of, some, some of my uh, fellow uh, graduates went right on a job site. And, you know, we went, went to the university for four years. We went to we went to one job site in four years. And right. all of a sudden you're on a job site and it's like, whoa. It's like, I'm, I'm sure it's different now. But but university, like the University of Waterloo now has a co-op program where it's at, so five years. So you actually do have to go through some hands-on things. And, and they've, they've adapted or sorry, adopted a co-op model. 
And I think a lot more professions are starting to do that. Um, you know, I know in France, to be an architect, you have to work on it. You have to be at a job site for two years, understand materials, processes, you know. So I think the model is is being adapted more to some some like, you know, nursing, physiotherapy, where you do have to do some form of a they might not call it an apprenticeship. But I think, you know, it's it's a co-op. They call it co-op, I guess. But you know what? It works. It works. Having a mentor and having, you know, a fixed period of time saying, you know, you're going to be doing this and I'm going to be watching you and I'm going to give you feedback and having a formal process. It works whether you're an accountant or whether you're an electrician or whether you're a plumber. It works. I, I, so I think I, I don't know if that answers your question, but I think it's 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 a pro it's it's a it's a process that's gone beyond the time like you know 4000 years ago they they had you know guilds and and apprentices so i think it, it works i i i it 100% answers my question and i and i and i think it's uh you know while while you were talking there i was thinking of a of a of a couple of things you know that 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 lifelong learning piece is 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 really i think one of the big ones um um a it's something that isn't necessarily going to happen if you don't uh, encourage uh, a, an apprenticeship structure, someone's going to learn what they'd learn. They're going to figure out a way uh, uh, that has worked, and and that's just what they're going to do forever if they're not encouraged to you know to, to go back and refresh. And 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 here's an example for you of, uh, of of why that's so important, especially these days. You could know how to make a, a beautifully structurally sound, perfect uh, uh, building house anything uh, uh uh office building everything but now you're being asked to make it tighter now you're being asked to make it environmentally energy yes. efficient now you're being asked to to to, yes. to to do all the to upgrade all these standards on things now you're being asked to install triples where before you were only ever putting in doubles if you were lucky um you know like 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 the, the these things are are changing rapidly and uh, you know, if, if if you don't have the skills, right, from uh, ongoing learning, you, the struggles. Yes, um, and and to you know, to the laser industry, um, you know, I've had conversation with experts out in BC, and they were saying a poorly done retrofit can actually make the building less energy efficient. <laughs> right, you, ha you, you have to understand why you're doing certain things, and that actually is a conversation that's happening as we speak in terms of how do we. Um, make the current curriculum adapt um, green, you know, thinking green space. And, and part of that is why you're doing it. Mm -hmm. This is why we're doing it. And this is the results versus here, just, you know, do these four script, you know, put in, put up this curtain wall and, you know, hopefully you've done it right. And the, the vapor barrier is correct, but understanding why, you know, you got to keep the rain out and the wind out and the heat in, and this is how it's done. This is how it's designed. This is what the architect's thinking or the engineer and understanding that whole process so that when you are doing that curtain wall installation, you know why you're doing things a certain way. Hey, hey, look, that low E's on the wrong side. Is that going to work? <laughs> is that going to work? <laughs> I've, heard of, I've heard of those ones. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, 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 that's a terrific point. Okay. So we know about the importance. We know that apprenticeship works. Um, Yet, uh, we get complaints uh, about about the about the apprenticeship system, uh, about its uh, about its ability to uh, to 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 get uh, enough people in, in into the trades, 
Robert, why 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 are the why are the complaints still out there? Uh, why are the uh, why why are the shortages still out there? Um, what 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 are the challenges uh, facing Ontario's I, I guess specifically apprenticeship system right now? Okay, I'm going to answer this in a big roundabout way. Okay, so the famous crane count, we always you know the crane count. So I'm going to give you just a quick. So Los Angeles is number one in the states, 51 cranes. Right. Seattle's number two, 37. Right. Calgary has 31. Halifax has 31. Toronto has 252 cranes. Oh! 40% of the tower crane inventory of North America is in the GTA. Mm. So just putting putting perspective to... <laughs> the, to the, I think I know where you're going with this. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So we may have a demand problem. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, the crane, you know, tower cranes are used in residential as well as ICI. So, but it's yeah. it's a great barometer, a great easy down and dirty way to to get an estimate of how things are going. Right. Mm -hmm. So, since it's it's amazing. Like three years ago, um, I was in Boston. I saw two cranes. Uh, we drove through Philadelphia. I didn't see any cranes. And it's like, you know, when you we live in the central Ontario or Ontario, I mean, even Ottawa and Windsor and like, you Ontario. just take, you take it for granted. You just, you know, it's, it's like you take it for granted. It, it, the, the construction industry in central Ontario and Ontario in general is just, it's booming. So let me give you an, um, another sort of a perspective that I had when I was a training director. So I had a lot of contact with my colleagues across Canada. We would have, you know, Canadian meetings and that would be, you know, painters and glazers and training directors. And I was also part of the, the international, international union painters. So we would have training courses in Hanover, just outside of Baltimore, a couple of times a year. So I got to talk to training directors across North America. They were envious and jealous of our apprenticeship system. Now that I'm with, we, you know, with OCS, we're dealing with, you know, Laborers, carpenters, electricians, boilermakers, all the internationals, they have, you know, cross-border. We have the best apprenticeship program in North America. We have the most support by government, but we have the most investment by the unions. Like, and I am going to, of course, I'm biased, but I'm going to just give you, throw out some numbers here. So the unionized sector invest $146 million a year in apprenticeship training. And that's up 261% from 2011. They've invested $325 million in capital investment from 2013 to 2019. The, the, the trainings, there's over 100 training centers across the province. It's the largest network of private training centers in North America. And they're not each each union has a number of training centers. They're 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 not affiliated with each other, but it's the model that grew in Ontario, and the government support for the apprenticeship program has been, uh, you know, unparalleled in North America. I mean, the Liberals were great, but Minister McNaughton has stepped it up even higher. Like it, the, like the funding and the support, they've really put their money where their mouth is, and so. You know, living here, you sort of take it for granted. You know, familiarity breeds contempt. Let me tell you, when you look at other provinces, Nova Scotia is starting to really raise the bar. And that's easier to do because of the geography. 
um, and BC as well. But Ontario by far is is has the the best apprenticeship program. So that not to say that it can can't be better. Yes, it can be better, and it is getting better. But you have to put that in the context of there's a lot of support by the, by contractors and the unions because they're joint training centers, right? They're funded by labor and management. The government does support a lot of that, but they're mostly gov they're mostly industry funded. These training centers, the the monies that do get come from the Ministry of Labor, pay for a portion of the apprenticeship, but not all of it. Maybe eighty percent. So. I'm just saying, you know, yeah, we've had a pandemic for the past two years too. So we've, and then we had the double whammy where we've had the pandemic where we had to, the class sizes are smaller. Um, you know, it's harder to have face-to-face -face recruitment, et cetera. And then the governments, all three levels of government are saying, we're going to spend, 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 spend. So you've got a double whammy here where, you know, you've all these governments municipal, provincial, federal, realize the importance of construction, are, are pledging all this money, but then on the, on the you know, recruiting has been ha handcuffed because class size are smaller. Um, you can't have the experiential stuff that normally took place. So I think, you know, in the next couple of years, we're going to see, you know, that it's, things are going to level out a bit on that. So that's, you know, I hope. Yeah. But I think, I think our apprenticeship system in Ontario is is um, the best in North America. Yeah, it 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 it, it that that's a, that's great perspective, Robert. Because I mean, a lot a lot of people in the province, and uh, I could be among them. Although I do talk to others around the country, and uh, and and you know, it, it's easy to lose sight of you know actually how much there is available to be going on there. Um, uh, now. I end up talking to people who are uh, not in unions and who are and who are uh, uh, fairly allergic uh, uh, to that. And and they, of course, the funny thing is, they're some of the ones with the most complaints. So, <laughs> I guess. Uh, anyways, that that that's another top. That's another whole other whole other topic uh, uh, for another day. The other thing with the pandemic, I was thinking when you were talking, uh, you know, the the reduced immigration. Uh, oh, definitely, uh, yeah. You know, definitely, yeah. Huge. That that tap was turned off almost totally. Yeah, yeah, huge, huge, huge issue there. Clearly, um, and uh, and so that's that's gonna that's gonna make things. So you're obviously positive on uh, on what the Ontario government is uh, the direction they're going in. I, I have to say, I share that. I've I've had Minister McNaughton uh, on the podcast uh, uh, actually a couple of times now. Um, um, they 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 the focus and the interest in the topic, frankly, is beyond anything i've seen before um they 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 seem to be uh very committed to the to, to to this idea uh that they need to do something to to stimulate skilled trades and 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 get more get more people involved um tell me i i guess tell me a bit about the measures that have caught your interest and uh and and what ocs's you know sort of position reaction is to all of that and uh and and whether it's you know are, are they hitting it right on could they be doing things differently better what 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 are your thoughts on it all well, they've been really supportive in terms of, um, you know, pre-apprenticeship programs and, and getting people job ready, because that's a big, big thing. A lot of people, you know, they um, who are considering construction, they go, oh, look at the wages you make. And, you know, it's a career. It's a profession. It's not your it's not a job. It's a career. It's 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 four years. It's, you're actually more hours than a university like degree. 
Yeah. You're, 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 you're working and you're going to school for four years. So it's a profession with it, with its whole subject matter expertise. And yes, you have to be there at 7 a.m. in the morning, <laughs> whether the Leafs or the Raptors are in a playoff game the night before. <laughs> guess what? You have to have your butt there. And if you arrive at 7 a.m., you're late. Like that's when you're, you're so, <laughs> so there's a bit of um, a disconnect, I think, in terms of, um, people really understanding what's expected by the contractors. They have, you know, a person has to be job ready. They have to be, at, you know, be able to have that life skill and that maturity. We are there every day, five days a week, whether it's 20 below or 30 above. And, and whether or not you went out last night and had a few pops, like you got to be there. So that, that I think for younger people, that's the biggest challenge is, is that life's, you know, having a bit of that maturity where, you know what, I got to go to bed at 10 o'clock because I got to get up at six. Yeah. You know, I remember, you know, being a summer student, um, I was a, a surveyor. And so we had to be at work at eight o'clock, but I, I didn't have a car. So I had to bike for 45 minutes to get to work. So I had to, you know, I had to get up at quarter to seven, you know, and you're a young guy, 21 years old, summer, you know, like I had to go, if I wasn't in bed early, I was fried the next day. So you know, that's a challenge. Um, so I think some people don't have that maturity level, but you know, I think there comes a point in time when, when people say, you know what, this is, this is something that it's going to be, um, a career there. When you look at, you look down the road, how much work is down the pipeline? Like this is going to be a steady career. Look, it survived, you know, the pandemic being shut down. Like it's gonna, it's, it's, I'm going to have a career. I'm going to be able to provide for myself. If I get married, I have kids, I'm, you know, it's going to be something that's going to be beneficial. So, you know, I think that message has to be, you know, promoted more. It's not all manual labor. You know, people I think have a perspective of construction because they just see, you know, guys working on the roads, sewers, they see the guys pouring the foundations, but they don't see all the, the 20 other trades that go on, you know, once, you know, the glaciers have hung that curtain wall and they don't see all the stuff that goes on inside where it's not all manual labor and no, you don't have to be holding a, a, a hammer for 30 years. There's, there's many different career paths. Um, you can become a foreman, a supervisor, George Brown and um, Algonquin and one of their, um, um, thing in Hamilton, what's Mohawk? Mohawk. They've now introduced um, a business degree specializing in construction. So if you have your CFQ, they're lopping two years off. And so in two years, you can have a degree. And so start your own business. Like once you've, you've, you've had that experience as a tradesperson, get some pricing and estimate. Like by the time you're 30, you could have your CFQ, your business degree, and if you're an honest contractor who honest, you know, charge fair, like you will need a website. You'll be, the work will be flying out the door. Yep. Like, so there's career paths, you know, everyone, you know, people, oh, I don't want, you know, Johnny to be, you know, in the mud for the next 30 years. And they have a sort of a low opinion, but my goodness, there are so many career possibilities that, you know, once you get your CFQ, get ex some experience under your belt, man, 
you know, there's a lot of different professions. You can, you can, you can become a sales rep for, you know, a company, you can become a union rep, you can, the contractor have associations. There's, there's so many different um, possibilities, pricing and estimating. Um, it's, there's a lot of career possibilities once you get that CFQ. Do you want to go into engineering and be an engineer uh, down the road? Uh, 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 that can happen. Yeah. It, the, 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 the possibilities really are, 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 are out there. And yeah, that's, you know, promotion of that and, and understanding of that. Um, the, 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 I love that point, Robert. I mean, I mean, that's so key. The, the idea that that construction anymore is a, you know, a, a, a lifetime, you know, sentence to being a wage slave or whatever. I mean, that that's such an antiquated uh, notion. I, I know, I know very few people that, that, that do that. I mean, I mean, almost, almost everybody, gets off the tools at some point if they want to and, and finds, finds other, <laughs> and then they go back on when they're getting close to retirement and they wish they were still doing what they were doing. They end up, you know, doing as little, little jobs here and there, but yeah, that's, 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 that's just the way it is. Now I was thinking too, when you were talking, <clears throat> you know, you know why the kids these days won't get up at six in the morning. There used to be this, there used to be this huge, uh, 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 well of, uh, farmers, kids uh oh. and, and, and if you if you lived and worked on a farm the demands of the construction industry didn't seem like such a big deal <laughs> and, and now you know fewer and fewer farmers more and more urban my, my daughter's good god growing up in a city you know like, ah, spider you know like like they, they, <laughs> this is this is this is what's changed my friend this is what's changed <laughs> so that's no yeah exactly so um, okay, so so uh, uh, a promotion uh, and 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 understanding. I, I think Monty is big on that. Uh, that yeah. they they, they yeah. have um, they have uh, he, he's talked a lot about it. I don't know how much I've seen. I'd, I'll wait until I see the ads on the Blue Jays broadcast or, or something like that because I, I think that's almost where it needs to happen. Uh, but um, that that's been a, that's been a. a, a a nice initiative, a nice focus. Certainly they're, they're throwing some money around They're They're paying for tools uh, for apprentices. I believe um, uh, there's been waiving of some, uh, of, of some fees. Tuition. Yeah. Yeah. But some tuition fees and, and, and things like that. So, so a lot of good stuff going on. Uh, what is OCS doing? Uh, you guys, uh, I know have a, have a role in, uh, in, in all of this. What, uh, what sort of efforts are you guys making there at the association? Well, pre-pandemic, um, I don't know if you heard, we, for 20 years, OCS had what was called future building, mm. which was an experiential, like three day kind of um, event that we moved around the province. And we invited the local uh, trades to bring their tools or equipment and come up with projects where we could have high school students come in and learn what does a carpenter do? What does a welder do? What does an iron worker do? What does a painter do? And do the hands-on stuff. And so we were, you know, we did that for 20 years. And obviously the past two years, uh, no, we're not doing that. <laughs> and experiential touching and feeling and talking to people and talking to young apprentices who, who were typically at those booths was, was really, really impactful in terms of you know, changing people's perceptions, changing teachers' perceptions. Like that, that it was also, we almost felt that that had a bigger impact on, on teachers than the students because that sort of opened their eyes in terms of possibilities and like, oh, this is high tech. 
you mean you have to have grade 12 physics to do this? Um, like changing perceptions, we often felt that it was bigger impact on the teachers. Um, so we couldn't do that. So now we're looking at next year, but our understanding, and I hope I'm not letting the cat out of the bag, but I think the Ministry of Labor had, they used to attend our, our functions all the time. Well, back back then it was MTCU, the Ministry of Training College Universities. And they saw, and they actually, we did receive grant money to do that. But now I think with the Skilled Trades Ontario, um, my understanding is they're going to do this in five different regions, four or five different regions in Ontario, and have that experiential, I don't want to say job fair, but sort of an experiential introduction to the trades. I think that's really important. And I, I my understanding is, you know, they're going to, I think it's Thunder Bay, London, Hamilton, Toronto, Ottawa, or, or something. Maybe I'm, again, I might be premature in, in saying this, but I know there's, <laughs> I know there's, um, there's talk of doing that. They're going to do, I think, a trial run next year and see how it works. But just introducing, you know, typically junior high to senior high people to the trades, seeing, you know, you know, for example, what does a boilermaker do? What, you know, what does a millwright do? You know, or, or glazier. Like, you know, people often don't really know what a glazier is. Um, you know, they, they know that like a carpenter, plumber, you know, electrician, they know the four or five trades, but they don't know. So how do you Google or investigate a, a career that you don't even know exists? And that, you know, like, you know, some of the technology that millwrights use it's pretty cool stuff. So if you're really into technology, um, you know, that that might be something for you. And it's you're not in the mud. You're not really you're not in the mud. You're installing, you know, these huge pieces of equipment at the Pickering Nucleus, you know. So, you know, it's like, you know, like the the ROM using a total station, you know, that custom work that they did at the ROM. That was pretty complicated. Yeah. And you're not putting some guy who was a flunky from high school on a total station you know, 25 grand and, and, you know, putting up custom pieces of glass. So having that experiential in a safe environment, having that experiential experience mm -hmm. does a lot, goes a long way for introducing um, younger people to the trade. So that's, I think is going to be important. And so we would um, support that. And we would, we, we've been asked to, to provide some con consulting on that, but that's still, <laughs> maybe i shouldn't even have said this but anyway <laughs> it's, it's it's breaking it's, news breaking, yeah, news. Yeah, breaking yeah. news yeah yeah <laughs> it's, it's um it's embryonic stage right now um something more tangible that we're working with the provincial building trades is a central hub we are our worst promoters of of how to get into the trades mm. so we the Central Building Trades got some funding from the government. They created a, a construction training and apprenticeship Ontario website. So it's CTA Ontario, CTA Ontario.com. So what it is, is it's a snapshot of every trade. So it's like, okay, what, what are, what are some of the, what are some of the skills you need? What are some of the prerequisites? What does this person do on a job on a typical day? pictures interviews um videos what how much do they make um eventually it's going to be you know what is the job demand in you know various regions in ontario so it's going to be like a central hub so it's still a work in progress we're not finished it 
but it's going to be like, you know, when you go to university or, or college, you go to one website, you say, I want to take a, a political science. What are my options? Okay. You got Queens, U of T, McMaster, and then you sort of apply for, you know, same with, you know, I want to be a, you know, you know, a chef. So which, which colleges can I go to? What are my options? What are my prerequisites? There's like a one stop place. So that's what we're creating is a one stop hub that says, this is this career. This is, this is what a Boilermaker does. These are the tools they generally use. These are, you know, a typical job scene. What are the prerequisites and where are the training centers and what does, what does an apprenticeship look like? And so we need to have that up and we are getting that up and running. That's going to go miles because, you know, a year ago or even six months ago, you know, I get that same question. Okay, where can I go? Where can I go on? And it's like nowhere. <laughs> it's yeah. like, you know, it's like when, you, know. when you go yeah. to the union's websites, you know, it's, it's, it's scattered. Um, yeah, they you know, leave a bit to be desired. <laughs> Uh, more like a lot to be desired in some of this. So but that was, you know, we, we we responded to that. Like, you know, even when we talked to OYAP people, you know, the Ontario Youth Apprenticeship Program, um, where can we send our kids? What where can they look online? And where can their parents look online? And like, yeah, crickets, mm -hmm. which was terrible. So yeah. we realized that a while ago. And so we're addressing that and and Lord willing and you know. And not too much longer, we can have a place where you can actually go and register for, you know, okay, um, I want to be Glacier. Okay, I got two options. I got Ottawa or Toronto. If I live in Thunder Bay, okay, okay I'm going to go to Ottawa. And, you know, here are the training blocks and here are my options, et cetera. These are my prerequisites, all that kind of good stuff. Yeah, that that that's, that sounds great. And, you know, the, this 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 might jump, but it's, it segues too perfectly to, to uh, uh, the other question I had here. Um, the uh you know the the conduit for a lot of that information used to be the high school shop teachers and uh if uh if uh, if, uh, if a young person had a question about getting into the trades they went to them they would hook them up with you know whoever they knew or 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 just point them at the at the at the appropriate school or training center and uh, and and away you went a lot of high schools don't have shop programs um and uh you know and, and to your to your point about your um you know this this possible new uh, uh, initiatives around the around the province or uh, uh, awareness raising for young people around the province. Um, you know, I thought it would be it, it'll be nice if the Ministry of Labor guys walk across the hall to the Ministry of Education and invite, like you said, some of the teachers out uh, to uh, <laughs> to partake in that because the information kids get in high school is awful. Uh, I mean, and 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 it's and it's only gotten worse since I was there, which was thirty years ago now. And 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 you know, it 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 really uh, I I think that something needs to go in the right direction. Um, what 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 do you what do you think, Robert, about about um, getting more trades and vocational training back in the high schools and how important that could be uh, uh, for, uh, for all of this. I think it's, it's, it's paramount. Um, I'm, I'm originally from Winnipeg. I went to what was called the vocational school. Mm -hmm. So I actually took drafting half the day. We had, we had, we had auto body, we had mechanic, we had plumbing, and they were half days, and then we took the rest, our academic stuff after. But most of the guys in shops didn't take like university level courses. 
where I took I took all the the university entrance like English, math, physics, et cetera, as well as drafting because, and I actually graduated more courses. I, I think um, those kind of schools are, are disappearing as you, as you know, like in the past, like those schools are disappearing. What I do see though, as a possible solution is, so I'm going to give you a, a personal, real life personal experience. My youngest son, Jesse um, went, obviously went to high school they had some vocational courses, but they had electives. So he took robotics and a few other, um, uh, you know, like shop type courses, but they were not full time. Like he was, you know, he was going to go to, he went to university. You had to take, you know, all the advanced courses, but he took as electives a number of these shop courses. Went to university, got his degree in philosophy and psychology, thought I want to be a lawyer. You know, I had a, took him up for lunch. No, nah, I don't want to be a lawyer. I took him with a buddy who was a lawyer. Then he maybe paralegal. And then also he thought maybe policy, like, you know, in government policy. Right. But then, you know, I, again, I took him out for lunch with a guy from Ministry of Labor. You'll probably know who he is. And he he said, Dad, I want to be an electrician. He said, <laughs> I loved I loved the courses I took at high school. And, you know, he said, I want to be an electrician. So I so. He just got accepted this January. I didn't pull any strings. He's, he's an IBW. Um, you know, they, it's hard to get in. Yeah. And he, he got in. He had to go back and take his physics. He didn't have his grade 12 physics. But he, you know, he, so case in point is, you know, it doesn't have to be all or nothing in the high schools. If they have like electives where, you know, woodworking, auto body, you know, robotics, where they have like, a, you know, a shop area. And it doesn't have to be, you know, all or nothing where, you know, in my school, you know, the guys who went and took the vocational route more than we're not encouraged to take the academic courses. So they couldn't go to university. So even if they had thought, you know, oh, at the, you know, at the end, I don't want to be a mechanic. I want to maybe do this. They were kind of, you know, locked into what, you know, they're not going to go back to school. So you know, Jesse's an example of, you know, I think a case in point where, you know, he was introduced to stuff. And really enjoyed it. And he had, you know, great teachers. And, you know, it was just exposing him to to that that possibility. And I think that also is doable in schools, whereas, you know, converting a school to have, you know, auto body or auto mechanics or whatever is costs a lot of money. But if you want to convert a couple of classrooms into shops areas where you're introducing kids to to, you know, tools, hand tools, you know, just being able to read blueprints, um, just, you know, just some basic introductory things where it just opens that door and that possibility, I think would go a long way. And I think it's doable and it wouldn't cost taxpayers billions of dollars to convert schools or they have, you know, total programs. I think that's a, that would be a good transition piece. And, you know, just, you know, he's, he went to North Toronto and, you know, and we're, we're in North Toronto. You know, it's typically, you know, it's not not really considered a blue collar neighborhood. But you know what? My son, my other son, my second son went to George Brown, got construction management. He thought he was going to be a phys ed teacher, went to U of T for a couple of years, didn't like it. And then he found out about construction management. He's at George Brown. He's he's making way more money than his buddies who went and took political science at U of T. <laughs> That's trust <for> me. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Trust me. Oh, yeah. Well, it's yeah. I mean, it's just just having that option there, 
just having the, yeah. uh, the, the the ability for the for the for the young people to get exposed to it. Yeah, and, yeah. And I, I I like the point about you know yeah, the, you know the, the, this is this is the, the the antiquated stuff that 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 hamstrung a lot of the a lot of the efforts for low these many decades was this uh, you know you're 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 streamed or 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 you're you know if you're if you're taking this you're wasting your time when you should have been taking that. Uh, to get it to get into university and and you know the fact of the matter is uh I, I bet 90 percent of the people uh, uh doing vocational courses could do university level math yep. and science and uh and and it's just that they probably don't want to read the works of Shakespeare and you know I I mean like sorry it's you know it's like it's 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 a mindset and and if you're requiring you know no you're gonna have to you know read 10 10 piles of books deep in order to in order to get out of this 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 university level program well then they're not going to do that uh but you know maybe yeah maybe there just needs to be some more mixing and matching there anyways we're not going to solve the education system here in one day but it and but bottom bottom line is it certainly it certainly would be nice uh uh you know for for young people to have to have that option and to have that exposure at least at least to the trades at that level i mean you know when you're 14 years old do you know what you want to do like, no, right. Exactly. Like when you're 17 or, you know, I was set, my birthday was in November. I was 17 and first of university. Yeah. I went into engineering cause I was good in physics and math, but you know, I, did I know anything about civil engineering? No, no, nothing. No, no. You go through like you, like you say, your son goes, your son goes through thinks he wants to be a lawyer. And then he has an actual conversation with a real lawyer and goes, Oh, geez. <laughs> I've seen that. I, I've been there. <laughs> Make sure you tell my son the truth. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. How do you how do how do you like working? Uh, you know, uh, uh, sixty hour weeks for nothing. You know, <laughs> for the first for the first you know five years of your life. Exactly. Um, let's circle back to, uh, to 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 the other thing. I, I want to talk about about the link with uh, with 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 apprenticeship and and unionization. Um, and, uh, you know, th th there's, I'll, I'll tell you the perspective that I'm sure you're very aware of, uh, you know, that, 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 that's out there among some of the contractors that, you know, you, you, it's, it's, it's linked to unions and, and, and if you're, if you're, if you're, if you're not in, if you're not in the union, then, then, then there really isn't a point. And, uh, you know, this is, this, the, 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 there's some kind of a connection there that, uh, that that almost almost makes it necessary to be unionized in order to be doing the whole apprenticeship program. Um, why is that wrong, Robert? And 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 what would you say to say at a person working in a non-unionized environment about why they should go ahead and try to pursue an apprenticeship path? And it, it probably relates back to a lot of the things we've already said. But but it, it is that is that a necessary uh, uh, relationship? I I well. I, yeah, it, it, it definitely is. I mean, it's like, do you want to have all the tools in your toolbox? Do you want to go to a job site and you only have half the tools? Mm. You know, the, the, the problem, the whole apprenticeship program or the way the model is, is you have to have a sponsor. So you have to have a, a, a contractor. So if you're in the non-union environment, you have to find a contractor who is, who will take you as a, as an apprentice, a registered apprentice, and they have to be approved to be a sponsor. So that also means that they have to have a mentor. They have to have someone with their CFQ. 
So I'm talking about the voluntary trades, not the compulsory. So this is not electricians and plumbers. This is the voluntary right. trades. Yeah. So they have to be approved by the Ministry of Labor to be a sponsor. And that's a difficult thing. Um, and the problem is if, you know, construction is project related. So if your contractor, you know, just finished this, so you're with them for two years and then they finish this, this job and, you know, they've got like three months before their next job starts again, they lay you off, you've lost your sponsor. Mm-hmm. So you have to get another, you have to, if they hire you back again, that's okay. Yeah. But if you're going to find another, then you have to find another sponsor. So that so the the unionized sector has a model where they have the either the union or it's called the Joint Apprenticeship Training Committee is their sponsor. So if you get laid off, you're you're still the union or the the, the JATC is your is your sponsor. So that's why that model it works easier in the union sector. It's it's harder for a non-union person to get through that right it's a whole it's it's a sponsorship thing um but yet do i recommend you get your cfq absolutely but it's more difficult and you know and and also for example you know when they do have to go to school for eight weeks you know i'm telling my boss well i'm going to be gone for eight weeks well my boss might just hire somebody and i might not have a job for me when i get back right whereas if you know in the union model they'll take you back or they'll just send you to another contractor so it is it I'm, I'm not trying to sound like i'm just these are facts um i'm not trying to you know that's just the way it works that's why it's so successful and you know we actually did some research and we used the latest um census information from stats canada and so the unionized sector you know 56 percent of their workers have a cfq or or some college training mm-hmm. and the union versus non-union, um, union workers are three times more likely to have their CFQ than non-union. Yeah, three times more likely. Likely, it's it's so. The union sector really does embrace the the model, and you know, wearing the other hat, wearing the contract. When I was the training director, we would often have non-union contractors come and have a tour of our training facility. And they'd see all the equipment that we were that we were training the guys on, mostly guys, um, you know, the the spider crane, all the latest technology. And we actually, the union actually would sign a lot of contractors. They would voluntarily sign a, a collective agreement because you mean I get to send all my guys here for free? Yeah. They get all this health and safety training for free. I mean, they're for free. Yeah. You know, they they it's it's they do put they they do they pay they pay into a pot a lot of the um, collective agreements they have a, a a training trust fund so the contractors get all their health and safety training they don't pay per head like they pay that pot money and they can get all the working at heights and the wimis and the first aid and blah 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 and the union acts like an hr department where you know they can pay i need 10 guys in one month and they all have to have their you know scaffolding you know ticket uh, working at heights and swing stage certification and the union dispatches them whereas if you're not in the union you you're gonna have to send those guys to ihsa you're gonna have to pay them and it's like it just it just the unions act more as an hr department really 
you know, you can, and that's sort of what the model is. I think people's perception is tainted somewhat by the public service unions where, you know, you have to be almost a pedophile before you lose your job. Whereas, whereas, you know, where in the construction, if you're, if you're a lousy worker, the union business agents are saying, send them back to the hall and tell me, yeah. you know, like I, we, they don't want their workers to be higher paid non-union guys. Like, yeah. If you're in the union and you're getting this training, you have to be safer. And 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 we've proven that we're we've we've that was a peer-reviewed research. We're 31% safer than the non-union sector. But that takes training, that takes time. And if the if you if you have a higher um degree of uh, apprenticeships in th- they're we're more productive. They know that they get it done right the first time more often. Their mistakes are made, but you get it right more often. Because when a union contractor is bidding against a non-union contractor, they have to have a competitive advantage. If their guys are the same as the non-union guys, that's not going to work. They're not going to get that job. Yeah. So the, the the union workers have to be more productive. They have to be more safer. And that's why there's such so much investment in the apprenticeship program. So to yeah, I would recommend the non-union worker to be get their CFQ absolutely for the same reasons that for a union, you know, you do you you know eventually you want to start your own business. I would assume you know getting that CFQ is the first step um, to be your own boss. Yeah. But it's just it's a it's a more difficult process in the, in the non-union sector. If your contractor doesn't buy into it, um, you're up the creek. If they don't want to be your sponsor. Is there is there anything that could be changed in the system to make it easier for non-unionized to anything spring to mind? Well, the the um there needs the Canadian Apprenticeship Forum, I'm sure you've heard of them. Yep. Mm-hmm. They they're redoing a um an important study that they did about 10 years ago where every dollar invested in an apprenticeship was a dollar forty-seven in return. And it was to promote the apprenticeship program for union and non-union and they're redoing that. And I think, you know, a lot of contractors don't want to hire green people because it, you know, it hampers productivity and, you know, it's going to tie down one of my guys, but you know, it is an investment in that individual mm-hmm. and the loyalty is going to be there. They're less likely to, you know, shop around, um, look for another, you know, employer. If you're, tre- if they're treated well, if they're treated well, and part of that is being mentored. Um, you know, you're going to have all those things that mostly construction guys don't possess is those touchy feely. Yeah. Of- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what you're not getting in construction. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <Typically. laughs> no, sort of not typical in the construction world, but, yeah. but makes for good practices though. You know yeah. what I mean? Like in the long run, you know, if you get a revolving door with, guys and they only want to hire you know like third year apprentices or they only want to hire journeymen you know you're yeah you're limiting what you can you know it it sort of doesn't feed the pipeline of new younger guys and also you know when they're exposed to the same training centers as the union training centers they're also bringing in ideas that you might not have heard of like you know if you're the contractor and you're wearing six hats you're doing the estimating you're doing the pricing you're doing the you know, you're doing this and this. When do you have time to keep up with new techniques and new new innovations and new products and new, you know, 
but if you've got younger guys going to school and they're exposed to other apprentices and they're talking to each other, you know, that's also a pipeline to make you more competitive too. So having said that, easy to say, you know, some guys are just going to do what they're going to do. Yeah. But, uh, you know, yeah, you're going to have that knowledge uh, uh, flowing in um, really <clears throat> because because that 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 is the effect of the young people is the new ideas, uh, you know, uh, get absorbed. We would get we would get um, suppliers of products coming to us, donating stuff. And please train your guys on this stuff because we want them to know how to use it properly and blah, 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 begging us to use their stuff. And, you know, mm -hmm. that's that's that you don't get that unless you're you're part of that whole process yeah and 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 you know backing up i mean i i know a guy that that uh, a, a contractor well but he's he's talked about it on the podcast uh angelo Sto angelo cairo at uh, stovall glass uh 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 as a solution to to his training and 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 finding labor and hr uh, uh uh struggles uh you know voluntarily walked into a union and said sign me up uh and uh and and has had a good experience with it since and, and, is, and is a big advocate now um so uh you know it, it that yeah that 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 access to the to the training and that and that and being and it's even the post cfq stuff it's like yeah you know it's it's like you know like i mentioned the spider crane that's that's becoming used more and more with the terrace condos mm -hmm. zero to eight ton, and you know, you got to send somebody to Peterborough for you know I forget how many like a whole week to get that train, or you can send it to our training. We did it over two weekends, and we we often had apprentices from let's say from Thunder Bay from out of town, and they stayed in town and they did it over the weekends, and they've got that ticket, and you know how valuable that is. It's like. You know, it's it's just all that even that additional training that that comes that um, is beneficial to a contractor. Robert, great conversation. Um, thank you so much for joining me. Um, I think that uh, I think that uh, we, we, we have a we, we may have a we may have a perfect storm of uh, of uh circumstances right now to, to to lead to some real progress uh in uh in 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 the trades uh in ontario and and, and developing our, our our homegrown homegrown trades um and uh and i think uh i i think things are in a good direction and uh you know it's great to have uh organizations like uh ocs and yourself out there uh, out there banging the drum so uh thanks for all you do and uh, thanks for joining me today it's been a pleasure patrick anytime a lot of fun Robert Bronx, CEO of the Ontario Construction Secretariat. See you again next time. Thanks for listening to Glass Talk. You can find this episode at glasscanadamag.com or on the major podcasting services. Glass Talk is a presentation of Glass Canada Magazine and Annex Business Media.